0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, happy Memorial Day to all of y'all. It's a little bit of a later podcast, but I made some decisions. Last night I made the decision to uh, play games instead of uh, do the podcast, and I also decided to sleep in at the same time. Because I do what I want, I guess. But we are going to do a podcast today. It's just going to be a little bit later. But that's all right, man. Just, you know, fire up the grill. Throw on the podcast and, and just let it roll in the background while you get your burgers and your brats and whatnot ready to go. Whatever it is you're doing for Memorial Day. I'm going to be doing Italian sausage, brats, cornbread, and baked beans and potatoes, I think, today. Which is a feast that would make you think a lot of people are coming, but it's just my family and I. Just it's just what I want to do. It means I'm going to have a lot of leftovers, to add to the huge pile of leftovers that I already have because I've been grilling all weekend. <laughs> so going to be having like barbecue for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which is not the worst problem for a human being to, to have. Anyways, um, there's a whole lot of bickering that I, I don't feel that I want to get into on the podcast because we've been over it, right? A lot of people have been trying to challenge me on the should have kicked a field goal thing. They haven't really moved the needle for me at all. The only thing that anybody brought up that I hadn't think of is if thought of is that if they did get a touchdown, they could still not get the extra point and be in the same position as they were with the field goal, which ups the odds a little bit in terms of, it's not like if you don't get the two point, you lose, but obviously kicking a field goal and getting a stop is a lot easier than getting a touchdown and getting a stop. So it moves the probability slightly, but it's still just, I mean, it's, listen, either way, it's not great odds, but the defense had been doing a better job than the offense. And again, they basically did get a stop with the exception, obviously of Kevin King doing Kevin King thing and the referees doing garbage referee things. And that's how it, I mean, either look, either way, the Packers got beat and getting mad at Mike McCarthy because the Packers played like garbage is silly. As though the Packers had this thing won if McCarthy, if if Matt LaFleur had just done the right thing is obviously obnoxious. Matt LaFleur should have been fired. You're out of your mind. Did you watch that game? I don't know if Matt LaFleur called the best game of his life. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that's part of the reason they're so bad in the NFC Championship game is Matt just clams up. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. But I'm pretty sure Matt LaFleur didn't call two sacks and two hits from Billy Turner. I'm sure he didn't call the play Rick Wagner, two sacks in a hurry. I don't think that's a play. I don't think four sacks was a play call. I don't think he game planned. He called the tackles in. He said, listen, guys, it's on you. We got no David Bakhtiari today. Billy, Rick, you guys are one of the most important pieces to keep us alive in this game. I'm going to need you to give up two sacks each. I don't think that happened. I don't think Kevin King giving up five receptions on seven targets for 66 yards and two touchdowns was was schemed beforehand. I don't think six missed tackles were part of the game plan. I don't think it's Matt LaFleur's fault that not one single person got more than one pressure. Not more than one. Kenny Clark did get a sack. That was his only pressure of the entire day. Zedarius Smith had one hit. Preston Smith had one hit. Dean Lowry had one hurry. Darnell Savage had a hurry. Rashawn Gary was blanked the entire day, as was Tyler Lancaster. As was Chris Barnes on his attempts, as was Kamal Martin on his attempt, as was Brian Price on his attempt, as was Adrian Amos on his two attempts, as was Snacks Harrison on his four attempts. So, I mean, listen, all I'm saying is at the end of the day, the guys didn't show up. So it's just, it's to the point now where it's, it's not even worth arguing. I'm not going to tolerate blaming him for this entire game or acting like that was an absurd decision, even if it wasn't exactly the right decision, which it was. It's not an absurd decision. It's absurd to think that it's a guarantee we're automatically going to get a touchdown and an extra and a two-point conversion and a stop and a field goal. That's stupid. By the time they were in that position, they basically lost the game. The odds were so stacked against them, the odds of success in that game were unbelievably low. So, it is what it is. And then for some reason, we're still rehashing the whole wide receiver thing. I don't think I have really anything to add to that. If you're not willing to let it go at this point... I. I, I, again, I, just, I don't have anything to add right now. I'm just tired of talking about it. We're just to the point where there's, there's just no more convincing. If you think Aaron Rodgers needs wide receiver help, and that's a which I, I think is, is coming up again because we're in this position, and shame on the front office for not getting him a wide receiver, even though I don't think that has anything to do with this, but I, I don't know how we get where we are. But if you highlight the fact that he's had great receivers his entire career, highlight the fact that Devontae is the number one wide receiver in football, highlight the fact that the Packers are number one in the, in the NFL on offense, it doesn't matter. They, they just find a new excuse. Well, they're only number one because of Rodgers. Well, obviously that's not true. Even so, that tells me they don't need help. Even if you're right, that they're only— I'm not saying that they would be number one no matter what. I'm saying it's not only because of Rodgers, obviously, because— Look at the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. He's not dragging garbage to be the number one offense. He needs lots of help around him, including from the head coach, the offensive line, the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, in order to be the number one, and to be honest, a little bit from the defense. You need a lot of opportunities to rack up that many yards and points. This is a team game that requires a team effort. No one human being is going to cause you to win a Super Bowl, be the number one offense, none of that. That should lead us to believe that wide receiver and offensive help is not the number one priority. Not that it's not important, but it's certainly not a massive priority when your offense is the best in the NFL. But, again, we're just we're just going round and round and round and round and round, and we're making no progress, so it is what it is. Anyways, what I did want to talk about today, because we're definitely not talking about any of that for six minutes, is a different little bit of bickering. And I, I tend to think... I shouldn't say that. I was going to say this is something that most Packer fans were all going to be in agreement on. This is kind of an us-versus-them thing, which is nice when Packer fans can kind of rally against other people for once instead of turning on each other. But I don't even know if that's true because the anti-love contingent would not be on our side in this. But there's a strong um, sentiment out there that without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are basically garbage. And again, there are negative Packers fans who are... um, I shouldn't I shouldn't phrase it that way. If you think that 90% of the success is Aaron Rodgers, then obviously then we our team is no good. But that's what I want to analyze. Let's actually take a serious honest approach and asking the question of what are the Packers without Aaron Rodgers? Because it kind of ties all these things together. Right. the only reason the Packers are number 1 is because of Rodgers. The only reason they're getting to the playoffs is because of Rodgers. The only Rodgers. Okay. It was what? 3 seasons ago we had what, six wins with Rodgers, but okay, okay, fine, no, it's fine. It's only because of Rodgers, fine, but let's, let's just, again, let's take a serious approach, and we'll just do the NFC North today, and I want to compare apples to apples. I just want to rank the position groups. We can't do quarterback because I don't know anything about Jordan Love, but let's try to look at the other position groups and say which teams are better. I did this, by the way, um, two years ago when I said I think This is back when Zedarius before Zedarius and Preston had their breakout seasons in 2019, I said the Packers have the best pass rush group in the NFC North, and I was laughed, just scorned and laughed at. You've got to be kidding. Bears fans lost their mind. Dude, we have Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, are you out of your mind? The Packers did. They ended the season in 2019 with a better group of pass rushers, because again, everybody just listens to what the media says, which is Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack are the best freaks in, in human history, then the Packers are garbage. Their defense is garbage. They'll always be garbage. So Darius gets no respect. Kenny gets no respect. Preston gets no respect. A.J. Dillon gets no respect. He hasn't done anything yet, but he's, he's, he's never going to get any respect. Aaron Jones doesn't get anywhere near the respect he deserves. People like Aaron Jones. They think he's good, but they're never going to put him in the top-tier category where he belongs. Devontae was the best wide receiver in football last year. He's never going to be put in the category of Julio... Maybe he's not Julio, but he's never going to be put in that in that category, despite the fact that he's been a top five, top ten guy every year, just like Julio. He's not been number one every year, but he's been consistently at, at the top. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, like he's just, he's never going to be in that category. I don't, I, it's such a weird thing. Why are the Packers never really, is it just because they've all turned on Aaron Rodgers? And so in, because it, it, it like I said, it didn't used to be this way. It used to be kind of disgusting how much the media would fawn all over the Packers, and I almost felt bad for Bears fans for having to suffer through just how just gushing over the Packers. All that, just unbelievable. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest. This Packers team is something. To, Clay Matthews, oh my goodness, he could just, he can do anything. And da, da 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 Now it's nobody can do any right. David Bakhtiari is the best tackle in foot. I mean, you talk about offensive lines. The Packers get no credit for offensive line. I think they arguably had the best offensive line of football. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. Yes, they had some bad patches, no question. But just statistically over the course of a season, it's pretty close. No respect. Rashawn Gary, people still think is a bust because they have no idea what the actual statistics are because nobody either cares to look at it or give him the credit he deserves. He still has a ways to go, but he's freakishly talented. And he's doing some really great things. And he still has room to grow. Darnell Savage... I mean, and again, you you hear from, who was the, uh, what was it, chin for the Panthers? You heard nonstop about how good the guy is. Even Devin White. Devin, oh my goodness. How much did you hear about Kamal Martin? Despite the fact that Devin White was the worst linebacker in football, everybody talked about how great he was. He was garbage. I just, I don't, I don't understand, man. I don't understand what it is. It's so weird. It's like I'm living in an alternate universe, although that's pretty par for the course with how, life is in general. Like what is everybody talking about? I just it's like a sci-fi movie where somehow there's, you know, parallel universes, but we're all kind of side by side, but we're looking through these portals and seeing different realities. I don't I don't know exactly how that works, but there's there's an interesting movie plot sitting there somewhere. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a look at that? Again, I can't analyze quarterback. However, again, Jordan Love, how is he viewed by the rest of the media? As a joke, it's that you'd think he was a fourth-round pick. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, this team is doomed. Jordan Love was a first-round pick, some people thought a top-ten talent. He's had a year to sit with Matt LaFleur, who is a quarterback guru, sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history for a year. He's going to be playing behind a great offensive line with a top-tier wide receiver in a real good offensive scheme that is not only quarterback-friendly, but is playing to his strengths with a dominant running back duo but this guy is giving no chance to succeed but yet justin herbert can get thrust into a garbage situation and do quite well and everybody says he's great and he was he did a good job not really great but why i mean yes of course justin fields not to say that i think jordan love is a better quarterback than justin fields necessarily we got to see how it goes but the idea that Justin Fields is going to come right out of college, get plopped into a garbage situation with a head coach that hasn't done jack squat, with players like their, their wide receiver who does not want to be there. he settled on being there because he decided not to take it there, but he doesn't want to be there. A terrible offensive line. Yes, they drafted a guy, but he's just replacing another guy that left. So at best, they're breaking even with how bad their offensive line was last year, which was not great. They have no other wide receivers, which, similar to the Packers, except the Packers second and third and fourth wide receivers are better than the bears but of course we don't talk about that not to mention their number one is better than the bears number one it's a much worse situation so why is justin Fields seen as is possibly going to be the best quarterback I, I mean even just comparing side by side even if we assume I'll, I'll give you i guess we'll talk about quarterback i'll grant you that um justin fields is a better talent than jordan love okay fine i'll, I'll, I'll gift you that now take into account the fact that Jordan Love has had a year to to get ready, Justin Fields has not. Now I'll take into account the situation that Justin uh, Fields has a worse offensive line, worse wide receiver group, worse tight end group, uh, worse running back group, and not as talented of a head coach. How how positive are we that Justin Fields is better than Jordan Love in year one, all things taken into consideration? And no, I'm not saying that I know Jordan Love is playing. I'm, I'm, I'm again, remember, we're we're role playing. The idea that that Jordan Love is the number one guy. This is this is just what if. But it's analyzing the teams throughout. Now let's look at the other guys. I don't think I don't expect Jordan Love to be on Kirk Cousins level because again, I, I I do like Kirk Cousins. I know he's not a great quarterback. I think he's one of those second-tier guys that is good enough. You have to have talent elsewhere or else it's not gonna work. And you do worry that he's gonna be the one thing holding you back in certain situations, certain games. You know whatever, but I think he's good. I think he's talented. Now, Jared Goff again. I don't necessarily think Jordan Love. It's reasonable to think Jordan Love comes in and tears up the league year one. But what is a reasonable expectation for Jared Goff in Detroit? Jared Goff basically had a good year or two, and he had a good year or two when he had um, Sean McVeigh, who was the at the time the greatest offensive mind in football. Again, things evolve, and I don't know that that Sean has necessarily kept up with that, but. Again, you want to talk about respect, Sean McVay comes in, does okay, does decent, and um, is considered one of the greatest offensive minds. Kyle Shanahan has had one good year in his entire career, and is considered one of the greatest offensive minds. Matt LaFleur has come in back-to-back 13-3 and seasons, two NFC championships, and nobody could give a rip about Matt LaFleur. They think he's a joke. It's weird, right? And some of you guys believe it, and it's why you guys are mad at the Packers all the time, because you believe everything the media says, which is a joke. Matt what Matt LaFleur is doing is historic. Well, it's only because of Aaron Rodgers. Good. Then why do we fire Mike McCarthy? Why don't we just keep Mike, Mike McCarthy around? It has nothing to do with the head coach, has nothing to do with the wide receivers, has nothing to do with the offensive line, has nothing to do with anything. It's all just Aaron Rodgers. Why do we win 6 games and fire everybody? Stop it. I can I can just hear it. I'm trying not to talk about it, but I'm as I'm saying things I can hear through the microphone, through my headset, people screaming these things and I have to just yell back at them. Jared Goff had Matt LaFleur is his quarterback coach, and it and, and uh, some really good wide receivers, really good offensive line play, and for about a year or two, he was a top-tier quarterback. Things started to devolve rapidly as, I guess, the league caught up to Matt, to, uh, to oh, what is his name, Sean McVay, so many names. As the wide receiver talent and offensive line talent started to erode, Jared Goff went from being a terrible quarterback to a really quality quarterback to being a not great quarterback. This past year, he ranked um, 23rd, I guess, uh, closer to 20th if you don't count Tyler Henke, Marcus Mariota, and Mason Rudolph, who played like a game each, right? Not terrible, but But now he's going to Detroit. What in the world does he have in Detroit to play with? Who's his number one wide receiver again? Remember, Kenny Galladay is a giant. He's gone. They have Brashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond. That's who our lads has listed as their top wide receivers. They drafted Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. They have Quintes Cephas, who was a fifth-round pick last year. There's nobody here. Nobody. Geronimo Allison has a shot at being a top guy at wide receiver for this team. I think their best bet is to go full-on um, John Gruden with this team. They got Pene Sewell. Apparently they're moving him to right tackle, which is a pretty shocking revelation, but whatever. Taking one of the best tackle talents to come out in the last five to ten years, and they're going to put him at right tackle. But uh, they got Taylor Decker. They're going to keep that steady and try to bolster their right tackle. Which I've said, I think that the the value of right tackle has gone up significantly over the years because a lot of teams have taken their best pass rushers and put them over the right tackle simply because that's where um, that's where people usually put their weakest tackle. Right, Khalil Mack primarily lines up over the right tackle. So it's not as though it's a useless spot. It's just kind of weird to, especially when you got him saying, this is kind of a weird switch for me. I've never done this before. It's like, that doesn't sound great. But the offensive line is not terrible. They do have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams as a running back group, and they have TJ Hawkinson at tight end. So I'm thinking put the big boys up front, offensive line, tight ends, running backs, load up, and see what you can do with that. That would be my best bet with the Lions. But point is, quarterback, I expect very little from Jared Goff in Detroit. I expect he he did very little with Sean McVay, uh, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higby, and they always ran the ball well there. And I would say the offensive lines are probably pretty similar. I mean, similar. I think they had some injury issues, but Rob Havenstein and Andrew Whitworth are great tackles. So again, you know, people are going to say I'm a homer if I don't just put Jordan Love as the last quarterback here. Obviously, but again, I, I think Kirk Cousins is the only guy you can look at and say he'll be fine. I think having high hopes for Justin Fields in Chicago, having any hope for Jared Goff in Detroit is nonsense. The only guy that has a great situation outside of Kirk Cousins with a bolstered offensive line, probably the best running back group in, in uh, arguably in the NFL, but certainly in the NFC North. I mean, it's I understand the Packers are kind of close, but I still think you got to give it to, uh, to Dalvin as the top guy if he can stay healthy, which is a big if. Um arguably the best wide receiver duo in football but the only other guy with a great situation is Jordan Love so the only way I'm putting him last is if I just assume he's garbage which is what everybody wants me to do you have to assume he's trash he has to be garbage why do we have to do that why does everybody else get it? why is everybody else allowed to be good except Jordan Love I don't get it then I understand like the the feeling for myself like it's it's we're it's we're we're doomed when Rodgers leaves and and quarterbacks generally aren't very good. Okay, but we have to have a consistent standard. If Jordan Love is bad, why is Justin Fields automatically good? Well, because Justin Fields is better. Is he? By how much? He was drafted 11th. Jordan Love was taken 24th. We know 100% that a guy taking a taken 11th is an elite prospect. The guy taken 24th is a terrible pro. We know that with 100% certainty, right? How do we know that again? And, and why is Jalen Hurts... He was taken in the second round. He got thrown into a horrific situation halfway through the season, did a decent enough job, but yet we're, he's, he's going to be, what, worse than Jalen Hurts, too? Why? 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 I mean, wh- again, I'm not saying we should have super high hopes, but why do we give him less of a chance than all these other guys who are thrown into terrible situations? Jordan Love is one of the few quarterbacks that ever gets thrust into a good situation. That's part of the reason why the Packers fans and, and the rest of the world hates the pick. Because you're supposed to take a quarterback when your whole team is trash, right? You've got you've got nothing. You've got no quarterback. You've got no wide receivers. You've got no, you know, the Jaguars. They got nothing. They got some undrafted free agent running back, although they did just draft uh, ETN. Their offensive line is rough. They got some real good number two wide receivers, although they don't really have a premier number one. They don't really have a tight end. That's when you go get a quarterback when there's no Joe Burrow, man worst offensive line of football. Just throw him in there. Justin Herbert, arguably also the worst. I mean, those are those are the two worst. Just grab a quarterback and throw him in that mess. You don't need an offensive line. He's one of the few quarterbacks who gets thrown in, who, who had a year to learn to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, who has a quarterback coach as a head coach, who is in a quarterback friendly system with an elite running back duo, one of the top offensive lines and the best wide receiver in football. I'm sorry, I can't get on board with he has to be garbage. He might struggle. He doesn't have to be bad. If everybody else gets a chance at potentially being a really good quarterback, so does Jordan Love. So, so much for not talking about quarterback. Somebody who still wants to argue about the field goal versus touchdown thing um, says 13% chance they win if they go for it, 9% chance they win if they uh, kick a field goal. Two issues. Number one, we're still talking about it's not that big of a difference making it seem like it's a massive difference. It's not. Point is, roughly 10% that you win either way. Again, 90%, either way, the Packers are about to lose. Secondly, these stats are aggregate. It's n- taking completely out of, of, of actual context. It's not situational. It's not based on what is the Packers' odds right now in this game against Tampa Bay of getting a touchdown. It's historically, what are the odds of, of getting a 4th and eight not looking at the fact that Tampa Bay has been shutting this team down at least in, t- in the entire fourth quarter. Anyways, people just don't stop. And, and again, they're not stopping because they're still so mad about it because they feel like there's still hope if they had done it. This is why I did the whole episode, because people just won't stop we would have lost the game if we went for it stop acting like if we went for it we would how do you take the ball out of the mvp hands he had it in his hands the last 3 plays he had it in his hands the last 2 drives when he went 3 and out and 3 and out you can't just throw the word MVP out there and act like he's the magic man. It's, again, this is just Rodgers-obsessed people. Everything is everybody else's fault. If everybody else would just play, we would just be great. If Matt LaFleur would stop getting in Rodgers' hands, if Gutekunst would stop in Rodgers' way, if Gutekunst would just stop getting in Rodgers' way. Rodgers is this god that can just take us to the promised land if everybody else would just get out of the way. The fact of the matter is we won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and it's not just everybody else's fault. He's a very good player. The Packers have had a lot of very good players on this team. The Packers essentially had lost the game already at that point. End of conversation. It's over. They didn't do enough prior to that point, and they got themselves in a situation where losing was pretty much the only option. You want to put it all on one play. Fine. Easy to say because you can Monday morning quarterback it and say, obviously, they would have won. Okay. Just went 0 for 3 with some of the ugliest plays I've seen on on a three-play drive or a three-play series or whatever. But yeah, guaranteed they get a touchdown, and then guaranteed they get a second touchdown, and then guaranteed they get a stop, and then guaranteed they get a field goal. Get out of my face. This is such a stupid waste of time. Got to stop checking Twitter when I'm doing the podcast. All right, let's try to rip through some of these real quick. Let's just look at offense before we go to the break. Running backs. Remember, we're removing Aaron Rodgers from the equation because the theory is without Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are useless. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's not, it's stupid, but let's talk about why. Dalvin Cook, best running back in the NFC North. You can argue it if you want, that's fine. He was the only one with a 90 overall grade. The NFC North actually has some pretty good running backs. Um, If we look at everybody that had uh, 10 attempts, about half of them averaged five yards per carry or more. That's pretty incredible. Six out of 13. Some of these guys aren't here anymore, but still. uh, Dalvin Cook, Tyler Irvin, A.J. Dillon, Tariq Cohen, Mike Boone, and Aaron Jones all averaged five or more yards per carry. If we look at grades, though, overall, Dalvin Cook, 89, David Montgomery, 82, A.J. Dillon, 81, Alexander Madison, 81, Aaron Jones, uh, 79, Mike Boone, 78, and then down from there. If you look at it in terms of like duos, it's still hard to put the pack. They clearly have the, to- the the talent to overtake the number one spot. Especially since this is, this was a massive breakout year for Dalvin Cook. His grades prior to this season were 69, 72, and 76. He had a 90 this past year. So, you know, Vikings fans will say that he's always been this good, but he hasn't. I mean, this is the first time he's ever had five yards per carry on a season. He had exactly five, by the way. The year prior was 4.3. He had 15 touchdowns, which is a lot of touchdowns, and five fumbles, but only 4.3 yards per attempt. Um, his elusiveness rating, which again, I said A.J. Dillon is like 130. Um, his is a 73 so he's not the most elusive guy in the world in 2019 it was a 55 he had eight drops as a receiver this again is 2019 um, only 44 missed tackles forced 2.97 yards per contact uh yards per carry after contact i never know how to say that it's because they they spell it yco slash a and then my brain just gets all locked up yards contact per attempt yards co-attempt but again, Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon are both over three, uh, comfortably over three in that category. So it's not as though he's always been just this elite guy. I, I, I'm trying to be as honest and complimentary as I can. I'm giving Vikings fans this, but I'm not giving you that he's always been elite. He's been an injury risk nightmare. He's been good, not great. He's got talent for days, no question about it. But putting that in action for an entire season has never really come fully to fruition until 2020. This, I think, was him reaching that uh, that pinnacle. Now, he's got to be able to do it for more than a year. I, we can go back and look at a lot of guys who've had one really good year. And technically, if we look at Aaron, if we look at the careers, I would take Aaron Jones over Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones had a down year. Aaron Jones, 79, 80, 85, 76. So the consistency clearly is, I mean, for for three years, Aaron Jones has been a better back. Nobody will tell you that again because of the disrespect thing, but... But then you add in the the number two guys, and again, Alexander Madison was technically higher. Uh, Actually, he's not. A.J. Dillon was higher. But I think it's fair if you just look at last year to say Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison is higher than A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones because Dalvin is quite a bit higher than A.J. and Alexander is higher than Aaron Jones. But it's close. Again, David Montgomery did grade out fairly high. A lot of this has to do with guys just kind of, I guess, being lower. Again, Aaron Jones had a down year. But 81-82 is not a bad grade. He did only have 4.3 yards per attempt, 8 touchdowns, 1 fumble. Part of the issue with that, as far as grades being high and yards per attempt being low, is probably the offensive line. The problem is that's not going to improve. And then Detroit, I mean, DeAndre Swift out of this group was ninth out of 13. Uh, Kerryon Johnson, 12th out of 13. And Jamal Williams, who is probably now their number one running back, was seventh out of 13. He was behind Aaron Jones, Alexander Madison, A.J. Dillon, D- David Montgomery, and Dalvin Cook. So when you factor in the whole group, it's it's debatable between Vikings and Packers. I'll give the nod to the Vikings because they had it last year, and I'll, I'll say that they'll, you know, I'll give them credit for being better last year. I would take the Packers situation way before the Bears situation with David Montgomery. And the Lions situation is a joke. If we look at receivers, Devonte Adams was number one, then Justin Jefferson, then uh, Allen Robinson, then Adam Thielen, then Kenny Galladay, who is gone, then Danny Amendola, who's gone, then Marvin Jones, who is gone, <laughs> <laughs> then Allen Lazar. So the first number two is Adam Thielen. The second number two is Allen Lazar. Considering Justin Jefferson was close to Devontae, although again, it's one year for Justin Jefferson. We got to see if he can maintain what he did. It's it's incredible what he did as a rookie but he's got to be able to continue to do that. So I think as far as who's the best, it's Devontae. What's the best duo? It's the Vikings. What's the second best? It's the Packers. Third would be the Bears. Fourth is Detroit. If we look at the tackle situation, we don't yet know what Christian Derrissaw is going to bring for the Vikings, but Brian O'Neill was the third highest graded um, offensive tackle. So kind of hinges on what happens with their left tackle. So it's it's kind of up in the air, but they have a rookie and I guess the third best tackle at, r- at right tackle. The Packers do have the number one guy in David Bakhtiari. Unfortunately, Billy Turner is ninth. Detroit has Taylor Decker and, again, a rookie. I know we assume Sewell is going to be great, but we got to see it first. Chicago also has a rookie, and honestly, I don't even know who their right tackle Elijah Wilkerson is who apparently is going to be the right tackle. So I, it's it, it hinges on the rookies. Let's say the rookies are, are really great in both situations, then I think the Vikings have the best tackle group. So, so far, it's 3-0 and for the Vikings. After that would probably be Detroit, because they have Taylor... I'm sorry, Detroit would be number one, because Taylor Decker's there, plus Sewell's probably better than Derisov. So Detroit has the best tackles, then Minnesota, then Green Bay, because David Bakhtiari's great and Billy Turner's not. Then it would be Chicago with a rookie who we're going to assume is good, although he's a second-round pick good, and then another guy that just has, hasn't played. At guard, strangely enough, Lane Taylor was the highest graded offensive lineman, but he's not going to be there. The highest graded guard that I believe is going to be playing is Elton Jenkins. Now, none of the guards actually graded out very well. Elton Jenkins is the highest graded guard in the NFC North. He had a 67 overall grade. Lucas Patrick, who is maybe going to be the other guard, was ninth. So I think the Packers would have the best guard duo. John Runding was 14th out of 18th. But just based on guys that are there that might be playing, Packers would be number one. Man, everybody's gone. I don't. I don't even know what to do with all this. Lions guards are all gone. They got Jonah Jackson, who's terrible. That's probably going to be uh, starting left guard, and presumably 2024th round pick Logan Stenberg. So that ain't great. Probably Chicago would be. Let's say it's a toss up between Chicago and Minnesota, and then Detroit is last. And if you look at center, obviously the Packers have a rookie center, so it's hard to say what's going to happen there. Probably have to give the nod to Detroit for having Frank Ragnow, then Cody Whitehair in Chicago, who's pretty solid, and then uh, Garrett Bradbury, who's still struggling in, after two years. So I, I can't really say for the Packers. But if we just look across, you've got the best left tackle in foot in football, clearly in the NFC North, the best left guard or guard at all, in the NFC North, and Elton Jenkins, a rookie in Myers. Again, Lucas Patrick, probably the second, third best guard, if he's even the guy. But there's a ton of competition. I'm hoping somebody can step up, or somebody takes the right tackle spot from Turner and he slides inside would be also preferable, in my opinion. And then Billy Turner obviously was graded out lower, but he's still at a 70.5 overall. There's no bad spot on this offensive line. And that's just as it is. That doesn't include how much competition there is to potentially raise the level of talent. John Runyan in his second year, Stepniak getting a shot, on and on and on and on and on. If you look at Chicago, they have a rookie left tackle, which is always a risk. James Daniels at left guard is a 65. Alex Barr's at right guard is a joke. Jermaine Effetti, if he is their right tackle, is really bad. Cody Whitehair is the one strength on this team, even if Elton, uh, Elton, even if uh, Tevin Jenkins really steps up, it's still a rough offensive line. Is the Packers' offensive line better than the Bears? Yes. Vikings, again, left tackled, unknown. O'Neal at right tackle is pretty solid. The interior of this offensive line, though, again, I don't know exactly who's going to be starting where, but PFF has him as Mason Cole at left guard. Mason Cole is horrific. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, you know, his rookie year was a 58 overall grade. He went up to a 61, so he barely nudged upward a little bit. And then uh, they got Ezra Cleveland still playing guard. He had a 66 overall grade as a 6'6", 309 guard. Again, I still find that weird. There are guards that are that size, but they're very rare. It's better than the Bears situation, but it's not as good as the Packers situation. An unknown left tackle is super scary. An unknown center is scary enough. An unknown left tackle is super scary. And then, the again, the interior is just a mess. Then if you look at Detroit, you know, if there's any competition for best offensive line, it's probably Detroit. Because I, I, I have confidence that Sewell's going to be a real good right tackle. Um, Decker was a good left tackle last year, and Ragnow is one of the better centers in football. The only real massive question is the guards, who are pretty bad. So they do have two bad spots, but they have, I think, three really strong spots. The problem is, again, the whole weakest link thing. Doesn't matter if Taylor Decker's holding it down on the left spot if Halapalivati Vaitai is getting killed at the right guard spot. Right, If somebody runs right through him and gets to the quarterback, who cares what Decker's doing? So, um, again, looking at it, you could take the Lions offensive line if you wanted to. I'm still probably sticking with the Packers, especially with David Bakhtiari in there. And the fact that, again, I don't think they have a massive weakness. But if you wanted to take the Lions, I could understand that. Absolutely not the Vikings or the Bears, especially not the Bears. I would personally probably rank it Packers and then Lions and then Vikings and then Bears. If you look at the tight end situation, Detroit is at the top. The top two tight ends are TJ Hawkinson and Hunter Bryant. I don't know if Hunter's still there, but whatever, TJ's still the the top guy. Next highest was Irv Smith, and then it was Robert Tunyon, and then Mercedes Lewis, and then Dominique Daphne as a trio. So Detroit clearly has the best tight ends. If you look at the top receiving tight end, it's TJ Hawkinson. If you look at the best um, pass blockers, you got, again, I don't know if these guys are even still here. Man, they just got rid of everybody. I was going to say, they got two of the top pass-blocking tight ends, but they're both gone, so never mind. But either way, Kyle Rudolph would be the... the although he's gone too, isn't he? Well, I guess Mercedes is the last man standing then. He was fourth last year. I guess he just got propelled to number one. But I look, I know Packer fans are going to get upset. Tunyon should be the, the, the top two receiver or whatever, because he had a bunch of touchdowns. He was fifth in the NFC North last year in receiving. So look, I I would go Detroit with Hawkinson. Then I would go with Um, Minnesota with Irv Smith then Green Bay now if we're talking potential Green Bay is a pretty good situation although best case scenario they get a TJ Hawkinson so even with potential I'm taking uh, Detroit I might bump them up past Minnesota if you look at potential when you look at first of all they have Tunyon there's Jay Sternberger waiting in the wings and we still haven't seen um, my guy Josiah DeGuara really do anything yet so again looking at the offense the idea that this team can't compete is silly. If you look at the offensive line again, the, just looking at pass-blocking efficiency, the number one rate, rated offensive line in the NFC North was the Green Bay Packers. Next was Detroit, next was Chicago, next was Minnesota. This is just pass-blocking efficiency, but there you go. Wide receivers, again, maybe second to Minnesota, who's probably one of the best groups in the NFL, depending on what happens with Justin Jefferson, as well as uh, Mr. Adam Thielen who is now 30 going on 31, not taking into account that the Packers added Amari Rodgers to the group. Running backs, maybe Minnesota, arguably the Packers are on the top. So the the point is, remove Aaron Rodgers, still a good football team. It's not the case, and no, it's not the case that Aaron Rodgers makes them good. That's ridiculous. Darius Shepard, MVS, Equinemius, Malik Taylor, Tavon Austin. All of them graded out really, really poorly. Alan Lazard was the second-best receiver with a 71 overall grade. Why doesn't Aaron Rodgers make them better? Because Aaron Rodgers is not a magic man. Again, there are these sycophants who think Aaron Rodgers is a literal wizard who just makes magic happen. Everybody else is a duller. I mean, it really is insulting. All the other players suck. They're only good because Aaron Rodgers is there. The organization head coach, Matt LaFleur, he's garbage. The only reason he's good is because Aaron Rodgers is there um, is terrible. He's actually drafting poorly. You just can't see it because Aaron Rodgers makes everybody look good. All the free agents are garbage. You just can't see it because Aaron Rodgers makes everyone look good, especially the defense. It's, it's, it's a crazy fantasy that doesn't make any sense. Aaron Rodgers is a very talented quarterback. You guys take that way too far. Apparently that's not enough of a compliment for you. Very, very good quarterback, very talented quarterback, not perfect, makes a lot of mistakes has had bad games, has bad games, has had bad seasons, does need help. He needs help from a, from a O-line, wide receiver, head coach, all that stuff. And if he doesn't get it, things go south because he's not a magic man. He's a, he's a single person playing a team sport. So we got to let some of that go. I want to say thank you very much to Mr. Sage for jumping in on the Patreons. Sent me a message, said when he first heard the podcast he wasn't so sure about it, but uh, he kind of came around, which I think is uh, probably pretty par for the course. I think part of the reason why the show is going to struggle to continue to grow, it's growing, but it's going to grow slowly, is because a lot of people, when they first listen, are like, I don't know about this. (laughs) I don't know about that guy. Give it a chance, man. But thank you guys very much for that. We are now just 81 away from giving away a Green Bay Packers ticket patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to be entered to win a free Green Bay Packers ticket this season, all you got to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Sign up for $1 a month, and uh, you're good to go. Anyways, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, we got the offense done. Packers are a terrible team. Part two, going to be looking at the defense. And we're going to get out of here because it's a holiday and it's time to party. So let's see what the Packers do have up front. Even on what you would consider a down year, Z'Darrius Smith and Kenny Clark still graded out well, right? Kenny Clark had a down year. Zadarius Smith regressed from the year prior. The biggest issue is who's on the other side. Right now they have Preston Smith because he played more snaps, but I'm going to assume it's Rashawn Gary. Again, he doesn't grade out super well, but the statistics are quite good, meaning the one real weakness is that defensive line spot next to Kenny Clark, and that's that's kind of the issue. Now, we we did draft uh, Daryl Slayton. We'll see how that pans out we got Kiki that could possibly take a step, but that's the defensive line. The Chicago Bears, who are presumed to have the best defensive line in, in all of human history, have Khalil Mack, who's a stud. Akeem Hicks, who is unbelievably overrated, 61st out of 126 defensive tackles last year. Um, Bilal Nichols was rated 36th, and um, Robert Quinn was 67th as a pass rusher. If you look at Minnesota, this one's a little bit iffy. We got, we got Pierce. I don't know what Pierce brings. Hunter's coming back. Hunter's good, but he's similar to Dalvin Cook, had his first real big breakout year. We got to see if that's sustained or if that was kind of an iffy, flukish thing. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. That's a good football player. They also brought back Stephen Weatherly. Stephen Weatherly. I, don't, I hate that name. I don't mind it if it's Stefan, but some people call it Stephen. And since when in the universe has PH been a V? I don't know. I'm calling him Stefan because that's just what it is. I will also allow Stepin. Be ridiculous, but it makes more sense than Stephen. So what do they have? They've got two guys that I believe are going to be very good run defenders in Pierce and Tomlinson, and they have Daniil Hunter, who should be a very good pass rusher. I'm not sure about Weatherly. They also did draft Patrick Jones in the third round. There's some potential there. And then Detroit has got Flowers and just, it's just a mess, man. So what teams have good pass rush? All of them really do. So Darius is a good pass rusher. Daniil is a good pass rusher. Trey Flowers is a good pass rusher. And and, uh, Khalil Mack is a good pass rusher. As far as overall defensive lines, I like the Vikings, but there's a lot up in the air. I like the Vikings, but there's or the Packers, but there's a lot up in the air. The Bears, I think, are good but declining, and I don't know that they're doing much to fix that, right? Which, again, is, is my whole issue with the Bears. It's not that you necessarily have a bad team. It's not even that you draft poorly. It's that you don't draft anybody because you give away all your picks. You gave away all your picks to go get a quarterback and Tevin Jenkins, which Tevin Jenkins, again, is just replacing one guy. What are you doing to fix the fact that the offensive line is or defensive line is eroding? Akeem Hicks is going backwards. He still can get the pass. I mean, the pass rush stats are still there. The grades are plummeting, and he's getting old. Akeem's turning 32 this year. Who's going to replace him? Khalil's 30. Who's going to replace him? Right. Detroit has taken some shot. They got Austin Bryant. They got Julian Aquara. Green Bay just added TJ Slayton. Kingsley Kiki's still there. Obviously, Rashawn Gary. Kenny Clark is still young. I mean, Darius and Preston aren't even 30 yet. The Vikings still have Daniil, who's young. They added Patrick Jones. So I, I guess if I'm looking at defensive lines, I'm confident the Vikings defensive line is going to be good. The Packers should be good, but it depends on hit and miss. What version is a What version of Kenny? What version of, um, Rashawn? What version of Preston? What do we get out of TJ? What's Kiki going to do? Depending on how you answer those questions. And no, I don't think that's true for necessarily every team because I think there's floors. I think uh, Dalvin Tomlinson has a floor. I think uh, Daniil Hunter has a floor. I think Michael Pierce has a floor. I think Chicago is kind of like Green Bay, but they don't necessarily have the ceiling. Khalil Khalil has a massive floor. We know Khalil's good. That's not the question. The point is, there's not a huge ceiling here because there's nobody that was brought in that can be like, dude, with this guy now, we're going to go, it's going to be crazy. There's nobody new. Everybody's just a year older. And then Detroit is just kind of a mess. Again, Flowers is decent, but... There's nothing else here. If you look at the cornerback group, Detroit is a mess. We got to see what Jeffrey Okuda can do, but Dunbar and o- uh Dunbar and or terrible. Chicago gave away all their guys. They got Desmond Trufant, who graded out as the 120th out of 121 cornerbacks. They got Duke Shelley and uh, what is this? Jalen Johnson is his name. The highest graded corner was Duke Shelley last year, who didn't even get a rank because he didn't play enough, but even in a small sample size, had a 58 overall grade. Again, this is not the 2018 Bears. You have Mac. you've got a 32-year-old Hicks, all your corners are gone. Roquan does seem to be improving. He went from a 52 overall grade to a 67, congrats on that. Unfortunately, Danny Trevathan had his worst year ever, probably because he's 31 years old. He had a 39 overall grade. He ranked as the 76th best linebacker out of 83. And your elite safety, who was number one in the NFL in 2018. In 2017, he was 50th. In 2019, he was 44th. In 2020, he was 63rd. He's had one good year in his entire career. Tashawn Gibson was a better safety than he was last year by quite a margin. Green Bay, on the other hand, again, they've got Zedarius. They've got Kenny, who have relatively high floors. They have Rashawn, who has a very high ceiling and statistically has done a great job since forever. Jair Alexander is the number one corner in football. Eric Stokes was our first-round pick. Adrian Amos was the second-highest-graded safety in football, which is hilarious because they got rid of Amos, paid the other guy. Adrian Amos, his worst year ever has been a 69.6, ever. That was his rookie year. Since then, 73, 90.9. By the way, that same year, the year prior to uh, Eddie Jackson being the number one, Adrian Amos was number two. He was eighth in 2018, 15th in 2019, and second in 2020. Adrian Amos is arguably, when you look at longevity over the course of the last five years, arguably the best safety in football. Darnell Savage went from a 65 to a 72, from 47th overall to 17th overall, and again, we've talked about this. He started off real slow and ended as one of the top safeties in football. If you look at the second half of the season, I think Adrian Amos was number one, Savage was number two. That's the Packers' defense. Now, linebacker's not great, obviously. Barnes, uh, 43 overall grade, 71st. Summers, 47 overall grade. Kamal Martin was higher, but again, I I don't see him getting a lot of playing time, which is unfortunate. If you look at Minnesota, outside of that front, that's pretty solid. Who are their corners? They got Cam Dansler, who again was decent down the stretch, but 22nd out of 121. Otherwise, they've got two guys that graded in the 50s and low 60s. Anthony Barr had a 47 overall grade last year, which is pretty par for the course. He had one good year in 2015. Kendricks did have a second good year in a row. So uh, I've been saying this guy has never had a good year. He finally had a really good year in 2019. I expected him to regress. He did, but nowhere near as much as I thought he would. He went from a 90 overall grade to an 82, from second best linebacker to third best. So they got a good linebacker in Kendricks. Finally, you guys are right about that. Safety Harrison Smith. um, Funny thing about Harrison Smith, and I've been saying this for a while, he alternates between being good and being great. Now, he's 32 years old, so at some point, it's just going to continue to decline. But starting in 2016, 75-91, 79-88, 74. If things continue, this is going to be a very good year for Harrison Smith. Unfortunately, they've purged so many safeties, it's Harrison Smith and basically nobody. So if we're looking at the Vikings, I think they're going to have a good defensive line, but I don't know. Their corners are a joke. They have one very good linebacker, and their safeties are iffy depending on how good Smith is going to be at his old of an age. Tell me which defense you would rather have and why. Defensive line is, is... Up in the air. You could argue the Packers have the third best defensive line, depending on how you answer those questions. Cornerback group. Who has better corners than the Packers? It's not the Bears. It's not the Vikings. It's not Detroit. You got a a fourth option? Linebackers are not great, but Detroit's linebackers are a joke also. Even with bad linebackers, I'd say they're third. And I think by far the Packers have the best safety group. So depending on what you think of the Packers' defensive front, I think it's silly to not include the Packers in the conversation of having the best defense in the NFC North. Again, there's so many variables, but all we're doing is we're removing Aaron Rodgers and saying, how bad is this team? Why would they be so bad? With Sedarius, with Kenny, with Rashawn, with Stokes now, with Jair, and with the best, probably the best safety duo in football, and Jair being the number one corner in football. Why do we assume this is going to be a terrible defense? Well, they can't stop the run. Well, maybe. It's going to depend on, on Kenny, and, and T.J. Slayton is coming in for that express purpose, and hopefully we get the linebackers to kind of improve a little bit, maybe get Kamal a couple extra snaps, considering he's a pretty good run defender. they got a better offensive line than anybody else. Probably the second-best wide receiver group. Second-best, arguably first-best running back group. Why in the world do we assume that the Packers without Aaron Rodgers are a garbage team? And I know some people don't assume that, but why is that being assumed? Well, because of Jordan Love. Again, why why is Jordan Love getting no respect? Because he threw a bunch of interceptions? We went over the stats. We went over the numbers. Guys who declined in their final year, it's not necessarily indicative of being a bad quarterback at all. On top of the fact that he was playing hero ball all the time because the team he played for was terrible. His wide receivers were terrible. His offensive line was terrible. He had to force throws. He had no choice. Otherwise, he's just going to... If you take away the interceptions, you know what you get? You get sacks and throwaways he's trying to win football games they're down by 42 points he's trying to win a game what's he gonna do just say I don't know they're not open I'm just gonna throw it away you have to throw the ball against Clemson for crying out loud yes that, that if you throw a 50-50 ball to your Utah Statewide receiver against a Clemson corner guess who's coming down with it it's the Clemson corner it's a silly narrative obviously the Packers get worse without Aaron Rodgers I mean that's that's I mean it's not hundred percent but it's got to be pretty close but I I, I, I don't know man Again, fan how you want to fan, but let's live in reality. This is a good roster. Matt LaFleur is a good coach. We have a good team. We have a good GM who built largely this roster. Aaron Rodgers is a massive component in making this thing work. But if he doesn't play, which is his decision, not the Packers front office, because I think a lot of people who are on the Aaron Rodgers train, like to phrase it as though Aaron Rodgers is the victim here that's being forced out or pushed out or not being allowed to play. No, no, no. Let's be real about what's happening. He is choosing not to play with our team. That's his decision, that the the spot is open and available and ready for him to come in and start throwing footballs. That's his decision. If Rodgers decides to sit out the season, if I think Jordan Love is in a great situation with a solid offensive line, Great weapons, incredible running backs, and a really solid defense. Probably the best roster in the NFC North still, especially when you factor in the quarterbacks are wildly up in the air. I think if I had to pick a team to win the division, if, if Rodgers doesn't play, I'm going to give it to the Vikings. But that's entirely dependent on Jordan Love. If Love is not very good, I think the Vikings probably take it. If Love is, is a very good rookie, similar to a lot of the other very good rookies we've seen recently, Josh Allen... Right, we forget, the guy was just drafted a couple years ago. He's one of the better quarterbacks in football. Kyler Murray, uh, maybe not as high on him as everybody else, but he's a, he's a solid quarterback, and he's in a terrible situation. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, who was the last pick in the first round, Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, Joe Burrow, friggin' Gardner Minshew, <laughs> Tua. Did I say Herbert? Give the man a shot and stop saying without Aaron Rodgers this team wins two games. Why? It's a great roster. Anyways, you folks enjoy your holiday. I'm going to get out of here. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.